What's up, my people? You are listening to No Catch Up Chicago. We focus on Chicago news first and everything else second. Weekly, the No Catch Up Chicago gang talks Chicago sports, culture, and avoids cornballs by any means necessary. It's done for Chicago and by Chicago. Listen up. Oh, my God. What is good, my people? I, uh... I'm sitting here trying to record the podcast and watching Yomer Sanchez and Tim Anderson in the field for the White Sox uh, in uh, in foul territory past the third baseline. Yomer just about broke his ankles trying to catch a fly ball that he was nowhere near. Um, the ball landed about 10 feet away from him. He just completely mistracked it. And that was a very White Sox thing to do. And then, of course... Um, with the irony of all things, Yomer then turned a double play on the next pitch, which was a ground out to third, um, where Yomer fielded the ball and then threw to Mankata at second, who turned it to Abreu for the double play. Um, I think that about sums up the White Sox. And, uh, and this is the Pale Hose Report with Pat Voigt, your longtime friend and companion. I'm here to represent the White Sox, and I had to bother Sean quite a bit to let him me on uh, on the No Catch Up podcast series to represent White Sox fans and uh, and provide a voice for what up until now have been the voiceless, the White Sox fans. So here we go. Let's uh, let's get into a little bit of White Sox talk and get everybody caught up on the Sox. No Ketchup Chicago. Now, myself, uh, I've been a White Sox fan for a long time. Um, once again, my name is Pat. That is short for Patrick. I'm not Matt or Matthew. A lot of people are like, oh, Matt? No, no. It's Patrick. Pat, please. Pat as in Patrick. So, uh, just to clarify that, um, I've been a White Sox fan for a long time. Um, I distinctly remember before they had the new seats in, uh, in New Comiskey. Um, that you could steal the cup holders with a dime uh, on those old blue seats they used to have. Um, I remember my one friend's pretty handy. He and I went to a game. Of course, we were kids, weren't paying attention. So we were busy stealing cup holders the whole time. Um, And, uh, you know, I remember getting the tickets when you'd buy a a large pizza from Pizza Hut. They'd give you the coupon for two free tickets. Oof, we were eating a lot of Pizza Hut. And, and going to going to a lot of White Sox games, you know, as nine, ten year old kids. And uh, I remember when they used to have the fundamentals deck up under what is now, I believe, Gate Four. It wasn't up in that fancy concourse where they have it now. Um, they used to have the kids running the bases and hitting off tees and doing the the speed pitch. Um, that used to be under, like, in the basement of Comiskey or uh, the G spots. Guaranteed rate field, the cell, U.S. cellular field, whatever you like to call it. it at this point, it doesn't really matter. Um, Sox Park is fine with me, too. I know a lot of people go with Sox Park. Um, but, I, I, you know, what's not to like about White Sox? They got, they got cheap tickets. They got a spacious stadium. And they got great food. And, and most of their fans are good people and, and good baseball fans. And I hope you listening to me. I hope to help you out. Um, make you conversant in all things White Sox baseball and just impart some of my knowledge of the Sox and uh, experiential um, Sox stuff 
Um, I just hope to hope to impart some of that to you, make you a better better baseball fan, probably a better person too, um, if you're cheering for that team from the north side. Um, but let's get into some of these younger players that are on the major league roster and just sort of talk through what's going on with some of these guys and where they sort of fit in the the grand scheme of the rebuild overall. So let's start with Lucas Giolito, my all-time favorite head case on the White Sox currently. Because, man, will this guy get angry on the mound. And when he gets angry, he's just all knees and elbows. He's just throwing throwing his chest wide open at the wrong time. You know, you watch him and he, he just gets unraveled by, you know, they might get a couple hits off him early. And then he just, he can come undone. I was actually, I was at a game on April 21st. Um, and it was a horrible game to have a horrible pitching performance. Because it was about 35 degrees and raining uh, on April 21st here in Chicago. As many of you well know, uh, that is not to be unexpected up until, I would say like June 15th. Um, so Giolito in that game. Pitched two innings. Uh, he gave up five hits. He allowed. He had nine earned runs. Um, and you might say, "Wow, five hits, nine earned runs." Oh, he had seven walks. Um, so he was just all over the place, and he just could never settle down. Um, Giolito, with with that sort of makeup of, uh, I guess, if you could call it that, um, where he just he will really get into his own head and just just cannot get out of a rut, um, I think has been changed somewhat by Kevin Smith. Um, if you watch the game on the 3rd of July here, um, that was what? Uh, that was Tuesday, the 4th being on a Wednesday. Really kind of uh, messed up my whole idea of what day it is. Um, but Giolito on Tuesday, the 3rd, he... Um, he pitched five innings, and if you watch that one, the first inning, he gave up four earned runs. <laughs> the The Cincinnati Reds were just teeing off on him, and it was really, really ugly. Um, it, we're talking double home run, double home run um, kind of action that these guys were just playing pepper with the wall. And it looks really ugly. Uh, but with Kevin Smith back there, who, is, who has come off of the disabled list recently, within about the last six weeks or so, um, I think Kevin Smith has a unique ability among White Sox catchers to sort of settle Giolito down and kind of keep him focused in games. So he's not, he's not doing like he did in April, where he'll come out in the first inning, get, get shellacked for four quick runs, and then come out in the second inning, and give up four more runs. Um, he's he's doing more. Oh, uh, get shellacked in the first inning, and then he'll come out, kind of settle down in the second, and he might spread a couple of hits. And on uh, on Tuesday's game, he ended up going. You know, he scattered eight hits. Well, I nah, I wouldn't say scattered. Um, actually, excuse me for saying that. Uh, he he gave up eight hits, seven earned runs, um, three home runs. So not a great performance, but he ate up five innings. And while that doesn't sound like a lot, the White Sox bullpen really needed the starter to go. You know, Ricky Renteria needed five innings out of his starter on Tuesday 
and, and Giolito through the, the mentorship of Kevin Smith was able to deliver those five innings. The next player I want to get to is Yoan Mankata. This guy is everybody's favorite punching bag. Uh, Yoan Mankata was the top piece that came over in the Chris Sale trade um, to the Red Sox. He, he and Kopech, and I believe Louis, believe Luis Basabe, I don't have it in front of me, but I think it was uh, Mankata, Kopech, and Basabe that came over in, uh, in the Chris Sale deal to the Boston Red Sox. And everybody loves to just trash Mankata. <laughs> you know, they, everybody is quick to look at that 230 batting average and say, oh, this guy's toast. It was a terrible deal. Forget about it. Uh, but I think we're seeing, I think we're seeing him come around a little bit. Um, and I, I don't, I don't think anybody can really make any generalizations or, or take away a lot from what we've seen from Mankata because we just have not seen enough. Um, especially when you think that you're, you're talking about a guy who's 24 years old, 23 years old, um, you know, this guy's way too young to, to be, you know, being judged so harshly. Um, and I think recently he's really shortened his stroke. Um, he hit a, he had a very nice triple, very clutch triple in extra innings, uh, on Tuesday in Tuesday night's game against the Reds at Cincinnati. Um, so he had a really nice piece of hitting there. And then as, uh, as they were trashing him on ESPN on the 4th of July, uh, Mankata turned on one and, and hit a home run. So it, I think it's it's still too early to say with Mankata. Um, he's like a lot of guys on the White Sox roster, much like Giolito. He's he's still figuring it out. You know, I think I think moving forward, Mankata is going to be your second baseman of the future. And I think Giolito fits somewhere in the back end of the rotation. I'm I'm thinking fourth starter probably um when when things are all said and done and, and hopefully he can kind of get get his mind right and get get focused get his mechanics down so he's just not flying wide open not you know he's Giolito is six foot six and when things go bad when you're six foot six with your mechanics they go really bad because there are a lot of moving pieces um the next thing I want to talk about is Daniel Polka uh, this guy is one of my favorite White Sox because he reminds me of the, the guys I used to watch as a kid. You know, he reminds me a lot of the the El Caballos, um, the Maglio Ordonezes, uh, the the Jose Valentines of the world. Um, where he's, I mean, I'm not, I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to put him on Mags or um, or El Caballos level of being able to hit the ball. He's not Carlos Lee. Um, but he, he reminds me in their style because he is just such a masher at the plate. He looks like he, you know, he looks like he's trained by the guy who trained Glen Allen Hill or something like this. Cause he's just, the guy is built. And, uh, and if he connects with the ball, it is going to go to the wall or over the wall. Um, he's just smacking lasers all the time. And then in the field, he reminds me a lot of Carlos Lee because it's always an adventure. A routine fly ball, that's entertainment with Daniel Polka out there. Um, just like it was with Carlos Lee back in, what, like 1998. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think Polka's exciting. They picked him up off waivers after last season. 
um, from the twin system. And I, I think if, if you can, you know, if you got a player there, I think it's very interesting. You might, you know, you might be able to deal Polka or perhaps if he's good enough, he stays on as a, as a fourth outfielder DH type, um, that can, you know, can come in and provide you at bats in the, the seventh or eighth inning in, in crucial games. Um, but it's, it's nice to see somebody hitting and it, it's really just nice to see somebody who's up there swinging with their whole heart every time. Um, and then the last guy I'd like to talk about is Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson is, I, for those of you who know me, he's probably one of my favorite White Sox. Um, he's, he's a ton of fun to watch. I really love the way he gets under opposing pitcher's skin. Um, I'm watching right now, Verlander hates his guts. Verlander doesn't appreciate the way Tim Anderson likes to hit, hit the ball and then watch it. And, uh, you know, Justin Verlander is a piece of trash as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so I like that we got a player that can get up under his skin. Um, and then there's that guy off, t- uh, Toronto. There's a douchebag pitcher off Toronto that Tim Anderson's always getting into it with. And I just love that. I love the shortstop with the attitude. I mean, Tim Anderson just strikes me as a very Chicago guy. You know, he's the kind of player that Chicagoans can really get behind. And it, it's very encouraging to see Tim Anderson just the, the strides he's made, uh, especially at the plate um, since last year, since 2017. Um, his on-base plus slugging is almost 60 points higher this year, um, and I, I think we're gonna. I think when we when we really look at the numbers at the end of this year, I think we're gonna we're gonna see that his his OPS is gonna be up around 750. If he's not gonna go 30-30, and by 30-30 I mean 30 home runs and 30 stolen bases, um, he'll probably end up somewhere. If he doesn't hit 30-30, he might hit you know 25 home runs and. 30, 35 stolen bases. Um, so he's just an incredibly exciting player um, on the bases uh, and, and in the field because Tim uh, Tim is still, you know, he's still maturing in the field um, and he does make too many errors, um, both throwing and fielding um, for your, your marquee shortstop. But I do think that he's like Mankata, I mean, like Mankata, like Giolito, he is developing at the major league level, and I think he's he's still got time to be putting it together. He is by no means in his prime. Um, Tim Anderson, I believe, is 25 years old, so he's got another year or two before he really reaches his prime. Um, and I, I think he's going to be a very exciting player, and I I think he'll be the you know I hope he'll be the shortstop of the future. And I, I think from what I'm seeing, the improvements I'm seeing, I think he will be. So that's been your Pale Hose Report uh, for today. Um, I look forward to filling you guys in on the White Sox uh, as we go forward here with no catch-up.